On this episode of Amazing Moments in Cinema, my guest is Mike Collier. Now, Mike is a guy that I've known for a couple of years through a business sort of transaction slash relationship from a couple of years back. And Mike has extensive experience in the military, military at a high level. He's very active in the military community and veteran community now that he is out and uh, exploring. He's been out for several years, uh, and he is now exploring business ventures, own a, owns a couple of businesses. And I, we talk at length about uh, military in the movies, What's that? what that is like, what it's really like in real life. And we talk about bridging the gap between what the true experience is when you're in the military, experiencing military things, experiencing operations and the executions of um, operations and strategies and tactics and things like that. And we talk, uh, there's a pretty lengthy list of movies that we talk about. And <clears throat> I was really excited to get him on and talk about this because it is um, not necessarily the most exciting or hot button topic, but it is something that people talk about when I sit around with buddies who are in the military and we watch a military movie, it is something that always, always comes up. So here's my conversation with Mike Collier. So brother, the man, the myth and the legend. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, I got you, man. What's going on. Okay. Not much. How are you? It's been a while, huh? I know. Been yeah, it's been a hot minute. <laughs> the way you've been traveling around and playing golf and stuff, huh? <laughs> Crazy busy. We, we're working on this golf tournament. Um, I meant to. I think I sent you the flyer, but working on this golf tournament for October. Um, I, I've played in hundreds of these things, but I've never, I've never been in one where guns are involved. And I was like, I've got to change this something's got to be done here. So on October 1st, we're holding the first ballistics matter veteran classic. Um, we're going to, I've got a friend of my dad's who's got some land about an hour and a half North of us. And we're going to do an AR shoot in the morning and it's pretty cool. We're going to have it set up kind of like golf holes where like each shot is worth like a certain, you know, a, a birdie par bogey, whatever. Oh, that's so cool. going to be like a scramble style shoot. And then we're going to boogie on over to the golf course and play a scramble in the afternoon. Oh, that's cool. So like a morning session with guns and an afternoon session on the golf course. Yes. And that's the course that we got, it's, it's one of the top courses in Florida, but originally I had it set up for the golf tournament in the morning. And I started thinking, you know, alcohol and golf and then guns in that order is probably not good. <laughs> so, <laughs> So we had to do some tweaking, but we, we got it down, brother. We got it. We got it ready to go. That's awesome. What's uh, what kind of turnout do you have so far? Well, I announced it one week ago. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to limit it to, I know some golf tournaments do like 44 teams and max it out. We're going to limit it to 30. Um, that way, you know, it's already going to be a long day. It's a lot of travel for some of these guys. Um, but that way, you know, we're going to do the shoot at nine aiming to we've got three lanes that we're going to set up so we're aiming to get 30 teams through in about two hours or less um oh wow and that way jeff and i can kind of be the range safeties and make sure everything runs smooth nobody's flagging anybody with their weapon flashing people with the barrels so just three different lanes going off in different directions and if we can get it done in two hours it's about a 40 minute drive to the course and then i'll give guys about an hour to get warmed up and and do their thing, man. And we got some music and barbecue at night and, uh, we're going to try to get it all fit into one day. That's cool. <laughs> so it yeah, sounds like so, you got a lot going on. Yeah, it's been busy. So I guess in, in my mind, you know, since we're holding a golf tournament, I got to go out and play as much as possible. Yeah. So that's my excuse for all the pictures you've been seeing of me playing every day. But... <laughs> you can't get me shown up, man. You got to bring your A game. That's it, brother. So to answer your question, we've got we've got nine teams signed up already out of 30, and it's only been a week. So oh, wow. I'm going to have to turn people away, unfortunately. But in order for us to keep this day flowing smooth and have everything, you know, 
kind of fall into place and be safe, we got to limit it to 30 to 30 teams, man. So 120 participants. And the goal is to make it a two day event next year. Um, so that way we can do the shoot. And then, you know, we got a band coming, we got uh, food and everything being catered, but that way we can make the, the day before, you know, shooting and concert and fun. And then the guys can stay out as late as they want. And then next day is all about golf, but it's really hard to kind of build a two day event when you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, to generate there. that buzz and to get people interested. Yeah. Um, but we got some dope ass prizes already donated, man. We've got, you know, a, a, a my buddy Wade Sabor and he, uh, he custom makes guitars, but he like paints them to like all these patriotic cool things. So we've got that donated. We've got a charter fishing trip donated um all the bags i just i don't know if you saw it i just posted a video of the uh, special we did on fox news a couple weeks ago um for a company called heaven dropped and they take all the old decommissioned military parachutes and they turn them into like everyday items like tote bags for groceries super cool man super cool i have um one of my favorite pairs of flip-flops that I've ever gotten was from a company called combat flip-flops. And they kind of take a lot of that reclaimed stuff from overseas, particularly the middle East and Afghanistan. And um, they employ uneducated women over there, which is obviously like a slap in the face for some of the locals over there. And they give them a job. And then when you get the flip-flops that's they give you like a card and a little bit of a backstory and history of the person who made your flip-flops is pretty dope. Like they have um, casings, shell casings that make like the buttons on the, on the uh, flip-flop itself. And then the uh, in some cases, depending on the style you get, you can get like the Kevlar strap, or like a nylon strap or something like that that is, you know, the part that keeps it on your foot. It's super dope. And I like the cause and they're super, super comfortable. I love it. When, you know, when guys come up with ideas like this, I, I met this guy, Robbie, through my dad's organization. And he's one of a, a very few people in this country that are actually donated the the decommissioned shoots. Um, and they, I, like I said, they make hammocks. I mean, like, hammocks that hold up to like 350 400 pounds and just things that people can use on a daily basis but this guy's got probably i i mean no no exaggeration thousands of parachutes i mean this is like Damn. in a warehouse like 20 feet high and so he's got unlimited resources to 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 get these products out so he's one of the guys we're doing um some of our proceeds are going to uh two different charities one is heaven dropped with robbie and the other one is called Black Dagger Military Hunt Club. And what they do, and the cool thing about Heaven Drop is they, they employ disabled veterans too. So not only do you have, you know, a, a piece of history in these decommissioned shoots being used for everyday practical goods, but you've also got employed veterans who, who couldn't get employed somewhere else. So it's just like the circle of, of just awesomeness that this dude has, has kind of taken into his own hands and, and run with. And then the other one, Black Dagger, what they do is they take disabled vets, they take them out on free trips, all day fishing charters, hunting trips, sporting clays, adaptive shooting for guys who have like, you know, prosthetics and things like that and just can't go up to a regular range and enjoy it. Yeah. So uh, my buddy Dave Winters and Eric Store over there at, at Black Dagger have taken these guys out. Um, and what we wanted to do, especially with Ballistics Matter, I mean, you know, the whole purpose why I started, there's 100,000 apparel companies in this country. The reason I started Ballistics Matter was, one, we have a super cool, catchy name. Two, we've got an actual purpose and a vision. We want to help these vets. I'm a veteran for 18 years in November. I can't believe it's it's, it's already been almost two decades since I got out. Man, I'm feeling like the old guy here. Um, and it's funny, <laughs> on my hat, ironically, when I was on my ODAs, my nickname was Junior. Because I was the youngest guy on my team by like eight to ten years. And now it's like, you know, I'm coming up on 45 in about a month and a half. And all the guys I run with are in their 20s and 30s. So I'm the old guy. My nickname is Junior. So it was pretty funny, but we wanted to be hands-on with these guys. We didn't want to just cut a check. Like, here's 10% of our proceeds. We want to actually go out and do these events with these fellas and do the shooting with them, do the golf tournaments with them, get get in there and actually meet these veterans in person and just be like, hey, you know, I'm I'm blessed. I came back with all my limbs. You know, I'm 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 partially rated with PTSD. I had some stuff, but we came back intact and we want to help these guys because one of the things that pisses me off the most, especially here in St. Pete, we've got a very, very large population of homeless veterans. And 
you know, the messed up part is these guys come back and they can't really get full-time employment because physically and mentally they're so banged up, but they're not getting their benefits, man. They're, they can't, they can't, it's, there's so much red tape bullshit. They can't get their, their benefits. So they're caught in this gray area. I can't work. I have no place to live, but I'm not getting anything from the government, any type of assistance. So yeah. one of the main things that the three main pillars we want to do with ballistics matter is help guys transition from I was on a podcast. I was on a podcast three weeks ago with my buddy, Jeremy, and I said, help guys transition out of the military. And I didn't realize how that sounded. And we got a giggle out of it. So I finally civilian life, not just getting a job. You know, if you want to go work at Home Depot or drive a truck, that's fantastic. But if you want to start your own company, if you want to get, you know, be a master barber, we want to help these guys not only go through the schools, but graduate and get their credentials, get the get the necessary you know equipment they need. You know, being a barber is not cheap, man. These guys spend thousands of dollars. So we want to help. And that's the first thing. The second thing, like we just talked about, was mainly getting these guys their benefits. You know, these guys who earned it. You know, I had 164 jumps. I came out with banged up knees. And for 18 years, the VA tells me that my my banged up knees are not uh, service connected. So it, there's so much red tape and bureaucracy. So we want to help these guys. And then the third and most important one, obviously, is, is veteran suicide. Um, I was very fortunate to team up with Mission 22 at an expo. Uh, we were selling uh, Ballistics Matter gear out there. And I met these guys, um, Strickland's, uh, you know, what they do is amazing. And, and this is a real problem. It's something we face um, and it's, it's a reality is better than suicide. So those are the main three things, why I created ballistics matter and why I wanted to take an apparel company and that be the vessel that, you know, we can help these guys. So that's kind of like a, a background in a nutshell of, of why we do what we do, brother. That's awesome. Um, well, <clears throat> not to steer away from a good cause, but, uh, the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is to talk about the military in movies. And, and I thought, you know, what better, what dude better than you to talk and to either talk some shit about movies or <laughs> shed some awesome light on movies. And you seemed pretty pumped about it when I brought it up to you the first time a few months ago. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I mean, it, it goes both ways, but we've had some good conversations about it. Um, I always go into you know, watching certain movies and now rewatching certain movies that I've seen, you know, many, many times, but now as a veteran, I have a little bit more perspective on what's realistic, what's not, um, you know, what's Hollywood, what's, what's there for the bang factor, but what's actually, you know, conceivable in some of these scenes. And, uh, well, yeah, man, I'm excited. It's, there's a lot out there. <laughs> there's, I think it, there's a certain aspect of like, People go to the movies, particularly like the movie theater, just to hear loud explosions and be, like, you know, gunfire and shootouts and like the bad boys type street, you know, street fights behind cars and things like that. And obviously I know this, I grew up in a military household and obviously you know it cause you lived it, but the shit's not always like that. I mean, it's very much from what I've heard from not only you, but a lot of other people is the military and my wife was in the military. There's a lot of like, hurry up and wait. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, so like when absolutely. people go to the movies to see this awesome military movie, how there's going to be explosions and fires and shootouts and stuff. A lot of it's like, that only happens maybe 1% of the time. The rest of it's kind of just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> so like with that being said, I'm trying to think of how to ask my question. Like how much of it do you think it's fan service when say I buy the ticket, sit down, whatever movie it is, let's say um, American Sniper. Oh, that's not even good, a good example. Cause I've heard that's actually pretty accurate, but bad boys, let's say bad boys, which is not military, okay. but it's got a lot of those vibes. I sit down, I buy the ticket, I grab my popcorn, I sit down and like how much of typically on average is that how much of that is fan service on an average and how much is not like legit. And I love the whole bad way, the, the whole franchise. I, oh I dude, super it. dope. Like said, it's fun to watch. I go for the excitement. I go for the thrill. Sometimes I know that's what I'm going for. 
Um, you know, now there's, there's, there's a handful of movies that I will go see. And I'm like, I really want to see how accurate this is, uh, 13 hours. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question first, bad boys, I'd say probably about 70 to 80% fan service on average or in that movie series in that movie on average, you know, it's, it's probably around the 50% range because like you said, people are paying their money. They want to go see something like cool. They want to hear the speakers going off and the surround sound and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Hollywood is. That's exactly what it is. So we know what we're paying for all the Rambo movies, you know, Terminator, stuff like that. You're going for the, the explosions and the loud and the thrill factor. That's what you're going for. You know, when I see bad boys, I love it. Some of the scenes like where the Delta guys come in and, and they're like that they're crazy mofos, bro. That's exactly how they are in real life. Like, hey, we got your back no matter what. Some of that stuff is is pretty cool. And, you know, especially with a lot of my law enforcement friends or ex-military, they're down to do whatever. But when you see, like, the guys, like, falling in slow-mo and, like, still <laughs> guys, like, center mass, like, perfect shots, two clean shots to the head while they're falling back behind a car. I mean, that's absolutely fan service. I mean, no doubt. But, you know, I, I happen to know and I've gotten to meet um, – you know, I've posted a couple of pictures with John Tiggin from 13 Hours, one of the main characters that this was based off of. Um, I went down to Miami. My buddy Greg owns a, a CrossFit gym down there. And we've got a company that we kind of all umbrella under called TacFit. Um, oh. We teach like tactical shooting, uh, training, uh, medical service. I, I teach the self-defense portion. I, I also own a company called Tactical Defense. So we teach like real world. Um, you know, Tony Blauer is we're an affiliate of his and and he works with a lot of top tier, you know, tier one guys, SEALs, Delta guys, CIA guys. So I wanted to go to somebody that I really trusted um, on their, their perspective and philosophy on violence, not just in art. And it was nothing against martial arts whatsoever. He's, he's 40, 50 years in, in martial arts, but to take the fear and psychology of what actually happens in a violent encounter. That's why we teach it. So I was down there for an event and Tig came to actually speak. He went out with us that night. We went to a big cigar bar lounge, hung out, really got to pick his brain. And one of the topics that we talked about were some of these movie scenes. So I'm getting guys who were actually there. You know, the guy who the characters are based off of. Um, I got to play in a golf tournament a few weeks ago with um, um, Captain Phillips. So I got to pick uh-huh. his brain. And, and so I've got to meet some really, really interesting guys who are actually there on the ground. And, you know, when you get into movies like that, you're going to get a lot of flair. You're going to get a lot of explosion. I, being the dumbass that I was 20 some years ago, <laughs> took my mom to see Saving Private Ryan the night before I left for basic training. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I'd like to say I've, I've, matured and gotten a little wiser over the years but that was not one of my best decisions because you know when you look at historical movies like that and and there was you'll you'll hear it from both sides there's guys who were at d-day guys who were in world war ii who have sat and watched saving private ryan and said they've never seen anything more accurate in a military movie then you've got guys who will look at it and be like well that tank doesn't belong in that era when you get (laughs) nitpicky like that i mean yeah maybe but that opening scene where the where the the water the um you know the watercraft the gates come down and the guys are just getting mowed down, you know that's what we walked in and sat down to start seeing. So my mom's sobbing in the first three minutes of the movie, and I'm just sitting over here like, oh shit, what have I done? Like <laughs> I knew it was going to be bad, but not this bad. So well, yeah, I think a I mean, lot of the like some of the best military movies, in my opinion are not necessarily the ones I, I mean, I think there's definitely the fan service is cool, but some of the better movies, like better quality movies are the ones that explore that kind of stuff. Like what's the emotion, like you touched on the emotionalness emotion Mm -hmm. of that stuff. And even, even before we started talking about movies, you're, I mean, suicide's a huge thing. PTSD is a huge thing. And reassimilation into like civilian life is a huge thing. And so like movies that touch on that mental and emotional aspect, I think are the ones that at least in my experience, which is limited to the military anyway, it seems that those are the better, if not the best military movies, like a few good men, very few action scenes, however, super accurate to the dilemma that that causes. And, you know, all of the, 
bullshit that leads up to that and what that can mean right. for some of those lives. Saving Private Ryan is a huge one like that, where you've got like that, that emotional, like headstrong wall, wall against a hard object type stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I think, I mean, there's definitely some merit there as far as like what you were saying um fan service versus you know real life and real world and all that garbage yeah when you've got that connection especially when you're showing people who are not in the military you're showing their side and their emotional experience through it but also when the guys come home some of the best movies i've seen like that two of them are jake gyllenhaal movies one's jarhead oh such a good movie because not only is it a good movie and it doesn't have to be 100 percent like accurate with action but what it does is it shows a lot of the downtime that you get on deployments you know everybody thinks you're over there it's just constant no man there's sometimes where you're sitting in your hooch or you're, you're in your cot or in some for my case it was jungle all my deployment i never got to see any desert time all my deployments were south america so you're sitting in some jungle out there sweating your ass off you know fighting off malaria and mosquitoes and it might be days before you you get any kind of call or go on any type of training mission or anything like that. So a lot of the downtime, you know, they had guys out in the desert hitting rocks with a golf club. That kind of stuff is like very accurate to me because what they're trying to do is pull in all those different aspects, the emotion, like you said, you know, the separation from your family, the stuff that you go through. And another good one of his is brothers. Um, again, not a lot of um not a lot of military action that movie, but it does show kind of the ramifications and like, and like uh, uh, residual effects of being overseas and coming home and trying to assimilate back into like integrate back into like civilian life, how your family reacts when you just got that thousand yard stare and you're stuck somewhere. You might be thinking of your buddy who went down or somebody who's like traumatized over, over there. And there's no way to explain that to a civilian. But there's no way for a civilian to understand just like the the mental torture that you're going through. And I thought they depicted that very, very well in that movie. Oh, yeah. Well, and part of the problem for like before we got on, we talked about bridging the gap between like what it really is like and what the experiences are like and all that stuff. And then like you got your civilian, you know, not to poke fun at anybody in particular, but you got this couch potato who's, you know, getting up maybe once a day to go to work and drive back home and sit down. And they just, you know, and they have the emotional aptitude of a flea. And the problem in like trying to tie it all together, the reason that you get movies about the military, in my opinion, I'm going to kind of tee this up for you. The reason you get movies that are explosions, firefights, uh, death tolls, and slow motion drop shots and things like that, that lack the emotional depth that is true to life when you're over there doing things or over, you know, down in the South or whatever on deployment period. The problem lies in the fact of these people, the couch potatoes, they don't know what it's like. They are so disconnected from what the truth is, what's really happening, why they're over there, you know, what it's like to come back. They just, you know, everybody has this quotey fingers in the air sob story for the veteran that comes back and he's having these emotional issues, but nobody that is watching movies stops and goes, why are they having those issues? And so- the disconnect there for me, at least kind of jiving on this is like, people just don't understand. And I, I'm no exception. Like, I, I don't know. I can't empathize with that. And so how else do you put that in front of a movie than other than to add explosions and firefights and things like that and make it as again, quotey fingers close to what it's like over there without it being a boring movie, which is why you have those, like Jarhead, 13 Hours, uh, Man of, or, um, A Few Good Men, and Saving Private mm-hmm. Ryan. Those, those are far and few betweens that end up being home run hits because, yep. you know, not every movie can really be like good that. One, a good one from, the, from the, the home side was We Were Soldiers. I mean, oh, it, it not only, yeah. Not only was it like really good, like it, it's hard to kind of depict because this generation today doesn't know much about Vietnam. That's like World War II to, to our generation. It's, you know, 50, 60 years before our time. But, you know, in reality, Vietnam went on, you know, it, it ended when I was like, you know, 10 years before I was born. So I'm not that far removed from it. But to me, as I become an adult, that's like 40, 50 years ago. 
you know, and, and so the, the kids nowadays that are growing up, they don't really get it. So for them to see a movie like we were soldiers, they're not going to understand just how deep that was and the emotion, because now we've got technology back then. I mean, I can only imagine being like a wife or a spouse sitting at home waiting for a telegraph or a telegram or for somebody to like actually knock on your door. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, like that kind of stuff we have, I, I've FaceTime with people overseas that are in the military now. Like I was a combo guy for God's sakes. Like we couldn't make comms like a couple clicks away, depending on the terrain. And you got mm-hmm. kids playing call of duty with kids in Russia and China, like, like yeah. it's nothing. So there are a lot of, you know, little things about it like that, but like we were soldiers, like uh, capturing that, that emotional side of just waiting and like, you know, seeing that cab pull up and what the wives went through. And then now they're walking each other around the neighborhood to like deliver the news together. That stuff was powerful to me. And to me, that makes a better movie in some cases than some of the big, you know, drawn out explosions. And, you know, I've, I do have a couple of really close friends who were, who, who were seals for a while. And, you know, especially talking about movies like Lone Survivor. Uh, and when it comes to certain parts of that movie, like when they get up in the mountaintop at the end, like right before the four of them got busted up, you know, there it, it, it's, it's taking so many different dynamics, like how claustrophobic it was in those trees and how close those guys got up on them and the intensity of a firefight at that, that proximity, like being so close to each other. And, you know, they'll say there were things like when the explosion goes off, the grenade goes off or the RPG goes off and they're, they all just kind of simultaneously like perfectly fall over the hill. Like some stuff like that does have to be dramatized and does have to be like, kind of like embellished, but I don't know if you ever read the book. I would encourage you watch that movie again, watch the movie. Cause what I like to do is read the book and then watch the movie. Cause it brings the book to life in my mind. But in this case, I watched the movie first. I went to see it with my dad and then I went home and read the book. And then I watched the movie again. And I'm telling you, as intense as that movie is from a veteran standpoint, like knowing what those guys went through in Luttrell, what, what, what they encountered, reading that book, that book is 10 times more intense than the movie. Whoa. Okay. Dude, I, it, it was mind blowing to me because <clears throat> when you start reading the descriptions of just the injuries and all the stuff and, and, and you know how intense everything was, and then go back and see the movie again, things start to like make sense to you. But movies like that and 13 Hours and Act of Valor was another good one because those were actual SEALs that acted in that movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I think we we had talked about that, actually. Yeah. And it's funny because the acting, (laughs) you know, when they say some of the lines, it's kind of like a a dude, like if you put a camera in my face and said, say this, I'm like, okay, I'll say it. It's kind of like that (laughs) lack of emotion because they're not trained actors. Yeah. So you you if you're a movie buff and you and you really like to pick up our movies, you will get that sense when you see the acting. You're like, you know, because some of us kind of vanilla, but these are these are like real guys. So when it comes to like the tactic and like the moving and like when they're in certain situations, like bounding and cover fire for each other, that stuff is extremely accurate. Mm-hmm. When those boats come around the corner, just like blasting off, those are actual seals running those, you know, uh, uh those operations and, and, and doing that stuff. So that part of it to me was really cool. Um, because when they're at home with their families and they got each other's kids at the barbecue and they're talking, that to me is exactly how those guys would act. You know, I, I was with a, a team of green beret guys. So like, I know how we were around each other in the bar and giving each other shit and ribbing each other all the time. You know, there was no PC back then. So you could be exactly who you were. Um, you know, and tease each other and say stuff, but you get that dynamic just because of where I've been. So I connect to certain types of guys. Um, you know, when I first got out, this is probably, you know, it's going to be 18 years, but it was like 15 years ago. I'm walking down the beach and I've got a giant, you know, Dale Presto LeBaire crest on my chest right here. But this is before I had that tattoo. I'm walking down the beach. I got my beard. My hair is a little bit longer. And this guy calls out from about 50 yards. He's like, Hey, so I went over, I'm like, I'm like, what's up? He's like, what group are you in? And I said, seven. <laughs> he was in third. And it's, it's, and seals will tell you the same thing. It's not, it's not just cause you got a beard, you got tattoos. There's plenty of posers out there. There's plenty of people who want to look a certain way. And there's plenty of veterans who you would never know. They're still clean cut They're They just, they don't want people to know. It, it's just so many different sides of it, but it's in the way you carry yourself. It, it's not a cocky. It's just a confidence. Like, when you've seen certain things and you've been overseas, I saw, I watched a little kid get his leg blown off from a landmine from the seventies and eighties back when, you know, the, the, 
the rebels are fighting each other. This is something that's been planted in the ground for years. And a kid's fishing on the side of a pond and his leg gets blown off. I mean, this is traumatic stuff that you can't forget. But then when you go through certain things like that, and there's guys from, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, who saw a hundred times worse than I ever did. But when you come home and you, you face stuff like, you know, you might have a bill collector after you or, you know, an issue with your ex or something going on. All that stuff seems so trivial and stupid that you don't really, it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just that you're not afraid of it. anymore. Mm. I'm not going to let this bother me. So something he saw <laughs> told him and he just said, what group were you? And he showed me he had a little three on his arm. I got a, I got a big seven on my arm now that I put on a few years back. Just, um, you know, and the funny part is like people think with your military, you're all tatted up. I didn't get any of these until I was out. I think I had two <laughs> tattoos on my shoulder when I was in, I didn't, it wasn't about the tats and the beard and all the crap like that. I mean, that stuff's just a personal choice, but um, you know, those are the guys that I relate to. And my, my good buddy was talking to me. He was a seal for a while um, on team two and, you know, active valor, zero dark 30, American sniper, Black Hawk Down. A lot of people bitch about Black Hawk Down being, you know, really sensationalized and, and, and made into like more of a Hollywood movie, which it was. But, you know, guys like, you know, Sugar and the, those guys that were over there, movies that have either ex-military or like, um, like a military consultant who actually will go through the tactics and the way they move and the way they were bounding and going through the streets when all this chaos was going on. You're talking about Rangers, Delta, Green Berets, Marines. All these guys were like working together. That's chaos. That's mm -hmm. chaos, man. You got different branches and different, you know, tiers of the branches working together. But, you know, the way that they were made and like, you know, act of valor, the, like we said, the seals doing the actual acting, that stuff to me is when I appreciate a movie. Cause yes, you're going to see an explosion or you're going to see somebody trying to make a call from a singer. I was a combo guy. So a singer is like a, a, a little loop system talking to a sat phone on a aircraft carrier. Probably not accurate. That's like you picking up your cell phone and trying to talk to me with a cup with a wire going through it. And they don't <laughs> communicate to each other. Little shit like that. It's funny to chuckle at, but it doesn't necessarily make a movie bad to me. You yeah, know, I think there's something to be said when it comes to bringing in a consultant, if you will, or, you know, like, hey, go find us somebody who's sitting on their ass, was in the military for a long time, a high, a special, a spec ops guy, and let's bring him in for three days and see what he thinks. And like, right. I think that goes a long, long way. Like, we talked about, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And so I remember, I vaguely remember we talked about Rogue One and they've got the death troopers all in black and those guys move like spec ops guys. And I didn't really put two and two together. I just remember watching the movie and going, wow, that looked kind of authentic. And then, you know, like three months later, I watched special special features or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, they brought in somebody from SEAL, SEAL Team 2 to teach them how to move a little bit. And he was on set for two days. It's like, okay, now see that shit goes a long way. Yes. I, yep. Rather than having some dude that played Call of Duty say, yeah, they should move like this versus like, you know, you got a big budget, you got the money, bring some somebody in for two days and it'll go a long way. And it doesn't necessarily like make or break a movie, but it does a lot to, like you were saying, it, it's just something you can appreciate because they right. went through the effort to, to like, hey, we're, we're putting in the effort. <laughs> yeah. For sure. You know, and, and even an American sniper in some of these movies, you know, what Bradley Cooper went through in the training that he had to go through, you know, he, he described it and it was, it was incredibly intense. So, Oh yeah. It doesn't, well, and even in the movie, they showed him like deadlifting like 400 pounds or something like that. And he got super jacked for that movie. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. But like you said, that's what I appreciate when somebody takes the time to actually go through and teach people how to move and, and be tactically sound in, in what they're trying to depict in the movie. That to me is what makes it a good movie. You could have all the, you know, insane explosions and, and crazy stuff. But if that part's on point, you know, if, if you got a guy taking a sniper shot from a thousand meters with an M4, to me, it's just not accurate. It's just not accurate. You know, I went to sniper school. We, we shot the, the M24. It's a Remington 700. It's a 762 bolt action. You're not going to hit somebody with crosswinds and all kinds of crazy shit going on in an urban setting. Three stories above you from a thousand meters with an M4. It's just, is it impossible? No. <laughs> is it, is it likely? 
definitely not. So that's a little stuff that I like to pick apart. But like you said, doesn't necessarily make it a bad movie or a waste of your money. Um, but some of the, you know, some of the scenes are comical. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember watching, um, they paused the, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna, there's a, I think, I think it's gladiator. I could be wrong or maybe 300 It's one of the movies, but there's a scene where they, they freeze the scene and, and the gladiator stand there, like from a ground up shot, there's a picture of a freaking airplane in the background. <laughs> it's like, that's a little shit. That's like funny to laugh at. And, and, but you know, it doesn't make it, you know, it doesn't make it a bad thing. It's just, yeah. it's just funny to, to me, it's about it's, it's humor. I like to laugh at some of these movies, like, you know, the combo, the comms from a singar to a sat phone, what all this stuff like that, that stuff is funny to me. Um, you know, even even Full Metal Jacket, there was some stuff that was really accurate in it. Like, you know, the intensity of of, of showing up to boot camp for the first time, you know, for as a Marine. A um, bunch of my friends are Marines. They'll describe it. This It was so good. I don't know about the murder-suicide scene, like how accurate that was and all the drama with the lighting and shit. Like, that is meant to that's 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 for the fan experience no doubt <laughs> well i i have heard so i coached a kid that ended up being a marine and I, one of the stories he told me he's like you've never seen somebody like if you want to see somebody the ass out beyond all recognition for something completely insignificant in the existence of the world join the marines He's like, I've seen an entire room get destroyed over a feather. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. For um, sure, man. It's, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 I've gone back, you know, especially in the last like probably year or two, I've had friends just like you did that just approached me on this subject. Like, what movies are really out there? Just really bad. What movies are really good? And it's caused me to go back and watch some of these movies again with like yeah. a different lens. So now it's kind of like my perspective's changing because like I'm getting to be like that older. I got gray in the beard. So I'm a little bit more tolerant. I'm like, that's bullshit. I don't do that anymore. I'm just like, eh, well, probably not. But it, so it's just become more of like a joke to me, you know? Well, I but think like it's any easier. Rambo movie. No. Yeah. 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 I think it's easier to get away with that kind of stuff. Like, um, like you were saying that the, the the sat phone, the communications issue. It's easier to get away with that stuff in the general populace when oh, it's something really far removed, like um, a certain type of aircraft landing or taking off from an, uh, an aircraft carrier. Like 93 out of 100 people are going to have no, and it might even be a smaller number than that. They're going to have no idea that that's even possible or not possible. But you go to watch a movie with my cousin who was the dude, like giving the okay to <laughs> like, the... yeah, he'll sit there like at a movie and be like, that's fucking bullshit. They'd never land that plane on there. <laughs> it's like, dude, shut up. Really? <laughs> I love it. And, but love and the, it. like communications, you know, had you never made, made that comment, wouldn't have the slightest clue that yeah, that nobody, was. Nobody's going to notice that little stuff. And, you know, I got friends who are pilots and, I, I think it's tears of the sun, but one of the, like the, the end where they call in the air support and the guys are coming in, they're bombed, they're F-18 Hornets. And I guess the payload that these things hold, you know, it's dropping all these bombs and doing all this stuff. And then they go to peel off and take off and they still have like every single like ordinance that they had on the plane when they came in. I would have never noticed that. I mean, yeah, I was a, I was military. I'm a veteran, but I wasn't a, a pilot. I would have never noticed that. So yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think like, Whatever your background or whatever your experience is, you're going to pick apart little things like that. And that's why they get guys like Jocko Willink and, and some of these SEALs to, like, look at the movies like, you know, Act of Valor and ones that are like – and Lone Survivor. Ones that are, like, specifically about SEALs and specific missions that they did to kind of, like, give us your take on it. So Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way when it comes to football movies. Like, we just watched American Underdog, the story about mm -hmm. Kurt Warner. And my wife was like, oh my gosh, that's an amazing, you know, it's super, super awesome. And part of me is sitting there like, oh, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. And, but it's a largely just fan service or trying to make a fun movie that's fun to watch and things like that. But I think the further you get away from familiarity, common knowledge, things like that, I think it's, it's easier to, you know, screw it up or intentionally, you know, just like, Sweep it under the rug, if you will. Like, yeah, nobody's going to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, nowadays it's technology, even like video games. Like some of these video games look like the real deal. 
So back when, like, one of my favorite, I was baseball. So I played college baseball. So that was my thing. So movies like, you know, Field of Dreams, things like that, classics. But one of my favorites was Major League. So <laughs> one of the funniest movies of all time. And then Major League Two came out. So I was like, all right, the first one was okay. So I'll go see the second one. And you got Omar Epps, who he's done football movies. He's made basketball movies. But his swing, when he hits a baseball, looks <laughs> like maybe on the best day, it's a, it's a pop-up to the pitcher. And he's got him, you know, hitting bombs to center field and stuff like that. So back then, they had to, like, kind of make do and just kind of make you, like, force you to believe it was happening. And it looks so – the quality was so terrible. But it was hilarious. The movie yeah. was funny. Well, and that's but part of nowadays they're getting better at doing that stuff. And, and some of the army and, and military movies that come out are getting better with, you know, like, like you said, having a consultant, like making sure that the movements are correct. The lingo is correct. Some of the things they yeah. say to each other, you know, like that, that makes it real for me. So 100% when I see a movie like zero dark 30 and there's, there's a lot of like psych psych psyops going on, like a lot of, you know, into like, interrogation and stuff like that from CIA guys in some room. That's the shit you never see. That's the stuff that doesn't make it to the news. So it's kind of like they have free reign to do however you want, because you don't know if it's real or not. When you see a guy getting tortured and they're, they're beating answers out of them. So that's what made that movie kind of good to me because I like a deep movie. It doesn't have to be 90% action. It can't be 90%, you know, what happens away from it's gotta be something to keep your interest. But when that stuff's going on, there's a deep storyline. That's when I get involved and that's when I get like really engaged in it. But those are some of my top ones, man. Act of Valor, uh, Black Hawk Down, Zero Dark 30, 13 Hours, Lone Survivor. I, I just think overall, if you had to grade on like a tipping scale, those five are, are more accurate than not. Yeah, you're not the only one that I've heard say that. I'm really interested to pivot just a little bit. I'm really interested in... Top Gun, the new one. So I watched this little yes. clip on Facebook and it was like a three minute, like behind the scenes type things. Though they were in the planes, like, fl- yeah. like camera in the face. And she's like, yeah, they taught us how to fly them and how to do this and how to do that. And then they actually, I was like, what? Wait, they actually got to fly them or they were sitting as like, they made it sound and they showed it as if the actors were actually flying the planes. I have not okay. verified that, <laughs> but the way, like I, sh- I, I probably should, cause that's pretty far out there to let people get behind the, in the seat of an F-18. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. Maybe if they were riding like bitch in the back and they, they showed the footage of like everything Ooh, happening, maybe. but as if they were doing it, like that would make sense. But like, but again, Tom Cruise has, I don't know how many thousand jumps. He, he actually, he's like his own, he doesn't do tandem jumps. He, he jumps out from, you know, and he does all the little tricks and the squirrel suits and all that crazy stuff. So I wouldn't put it past. Yes. So I just looked it up. It says uh, Tom Cruise and the cast went sky high, literally to make the film look and feel as realistic as possible. The actors trained to withstand G-force power and actually flew real fighter jets. Wow. That's well, fucking dope. That. <laughs> Cause with him, you never know, man. Like you got him on the side of a uh, C-130 or a C-5, whatever he was on in the in- I didn't even see that movie, but I saw the clip where he's like hanging on the edge, bro. I can't get, you know, if a fly lands on my window, I'm going 60. That bitch flies right off. I can't. Yeah. You're going like what? Four or 500 miles an hour. I don't care how strong you are. You ain't holding on. So <laughs> some of that stuff is crazy, man. But with Tom Cruise, you never know, man. I, I, yeah. don't, I wouldn't put it past him to actually learn how to fly a fighter jet. I, I don't know. That right. That's when I was watching that, I was like, there's no way. And they, they didn't never in that three minute clip did they come out and say uh, yeah they were sitting in the back you know like they're with professional pilots or like you know the something that told me or implied that implicated them to being not the pilot but then they just kept talking about how it was learning the controls and how it was oh we got to use our feet this way and i was like what okay so all right but i'm super Maybe. pumped like i was super pumped for it anyway now I'm super jet. Like it's going to be. Yeah. Lit. Well, I've, I've seen the, the trailers on like, you know, TV and on the phone, but I went to see, um, Oh God, what movie did I see? Oh, ambulance the other night. <laughs> I oh, I've heard like that's pretty good. Theater. 
it was really good. I haven't been to a, like an actual movie in a theater in probably a year. And I went to go see that and Top Gun was one of the, the trailers that played. You know, they play all the ones and then the lights go out and they play the real previews. Yep. So we got to get the full experience. It looks it looks good, man. It looks good. And I think it came out in what, 85, the first one? Some, yeah, it, I know. It was like, like 85, 86? It came out just after I was born or not long after. And I was born in 83. So... Oh God! Yeah, for some 1986. reason, nineteen eighty six. Eighty six. Okay. Yep. I knew it was because I was like eight or nine when it came out, and dude, it's been almost thirty years, bro. This like this is gonna be nuts. This is gonna be crazy. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Oh, almost on its birthday too. Just a few days from its birthday. So what it came out, come out May sixteenth, nineteen eighty six. The sequel comes out May twenty fourth this year. Oh man, I'm supposed to drive to Minnesota on the 25th, so I'm gonna see you the night before I leave. <laughs> I think that's time well spent. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on. I don't want to take too much, you know, much more of your time, but I really appreciate you coming on and and jamming with me on this stuff. It was really fun and really exciting to kind of talk about some of these movies, and some of them I'll have to go back and watch it a second time because. There are a couple of these that I have that, that we have bought, but I haven't seen in a while. And now I'll have to go yeah. back. Let's go back. And every and now and them. then, man, like I said, it's good to go back and just, you know, watch if it's been five, 10 years. I mean, I think Black Hawk Down, God, that came out a while ago and it had been five or six years since I'd seen it. So I just went back to watch it again, you know, after seeing some of the commentary and it, I just saw it in a different light. Didn't make it worse. Didn't make it better. I just was looking for certain things. But no, man, I appreciate it too. Like as soon as you brought this topic up, you know, weeks ago, I was like, I can't wait. This is going to be fun because <laughs> yeah. now it's got me interested. I'm, I'm spending way too much damn time on YouTube looking up like, like military clips that like are either way overblown or <laughs> it's eating up way too much of my time, man. But it's, it's, it's fun to do for sure. But yeah, yeah. I trust, I put it like this. I trust the expert. I was in for six years. I was on two different ODAs. I had a great time. We got some cool deployments. I made some lifelong friends, but there's thousands and thousands of guys out there with way more experience than me, way tougher situations they were in than I ever was. Um, and those are the guys that I respect when it comes to like, you know, breaking down the movie, because again, I'm not that serious about it. Dude. I'm not going to be like, I'm not paying my money. They, they had the wrong color uniform. On. Dude, I'm not going to get that much into it, but you know, if it's going to be like more like, uh, and again, it, it, it sounds weird to say this because bad boys, I would go see no matter what. If they came out with bad boys 40 and they're just old dudes with walkers, I'm probably going to go see it just because those two are hilarious together. But if they came out with like a bad boy style military movie, I'd be less inclined to go see that mm. because I know in my brain, I'm going to pick it apart more. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you know, I think there's a so, balancing of expectations when you go into it, like. It's like the replacements. You don't go in to watch the replacements anticipating a deep, heartfelt, emotional sport movie. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. go into Bad Boys to watch some authentic Miami cops take down a drug. Like, that's not what you're, you just, you need to know what you're going into. And I think that'll help. Right. I mean, it helps me watch and enjoy the movie a little bit more because then you can bring that filter down and like okay I'm well if you watch act of valor think about it from that perspective that these guys were actual like seal guys that that just got hired to do the acting in that movie so i thought that was pretty cool because I, I mean i'm sure there are like some actors who are, are veterans at some point but i've never heard of like a movie where the majority of the cast was like actual military people acting out a movie i just thought yeah. that was a unique way to do it and you'll see like the, the, and no offense to those guys. Cause they're, they're badasses, but the, the grade of acting was a little bit lower, but the accuracy <laughs> of the movement and the lingo and how they act was, was real. So that was cool to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you need to worry. They're probably not super pissed off about not being good actors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I will let you go. And uh, again, I thank you. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and talking. Anytime, brother. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, your time, man. So that's my conversation with Mike. I hope you enjoyed it. We talked a lot about um, 
some of the top military movies that have come out over the years. And we talked a lot about the emotion of those movies and the depth of emotion in those movies, what makes them realistic, what makes them not so realistic. And I hope you were able to catch on. uh, um, I mentioned it towards the end and we talked about it ever so briefly, but it was a repetitive idea and theme that came back over and over and over again from the very beginning of our conversation, which is make sure that your expectations are well adjusted. And when you go into a movie, into a theater or into someone's home to watch a movie and you sit down, make sure that you know what you're getting into. Make sure that you have an idea of the genre, which is not always military. Make sure that you have a firm grasp or an understanding of what you're going to be watching. And that's going to help you enjoy the movie without being somebody that sits there and in the back of your mind, you're nitpicking and pulling apart minor details and ruining the movie for yourself. And potentially if don't be that guy, but you know, potentially you could be that guy that is, or that girl that is ruining the movie for others by pointing out those small details that are otherwise completely insignificant. So I would say that's the biggest takeaway from this conversation that I had with Mike is make sure that you have the the correct expectations set before you watch a movie. And um, that's going to help you enjoy it a lot more and it'll make life a lot easier and simpler for you. So uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. You, I don't know that words can do justice on how appreciative that is that I am of the fact that you're listening and do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you share it on all the social platforms, the book of faces and Instagram, Twitter. If you're in a, if you are in, uh, in the Twitter or you like to tweet um, and I appreciate it, it gets the word out and it gets more exposure for me and the podcast and for potentially get it in front of people who enjoy watching movies and enjoy, uh, you know, going to the theater and quality entertainment. Thanks again.